Welcome to the ministry of Faith Community Church of Indianapolis. We pray this message by Pastor John Roberts is a blessing to you. To learn more about Faith Community Church, please visit us at FCCIndianapolis.com. I want to tell you a story this morning. We're going to go, we're going to start in 2 Samuel chapter 20. 2 Samuel to set the stage in 2 Samuel chapter 20, just previous to this, Absalom, who was David's, one of David's sons, Absalom didn't think his dad was a very good leader. So he got this little rebellious streak, but he was slick about it. Uh, David was busy. He was conquering lands. He was, you know, doing different things. And so Absalom would go sit at the gate, and when people came, because the, the elders sat at the gate, and when people would come to the gate with needs and they would come to the elders, Absalom would say, well, you know, I wish I could, but my dad's kind of busy and he can't meet this need, but let me see what I can do. And in that, it was, a, it was an act of manipulation. He won over the hearts of a lot of the people. And then when the time was right, he rebelled. And you know the story. He rebelled, and, and David, being his father, we got to squash the rebellion, but don't kill Absalom. Well, I think it was Joab did. You know, he knew it had to be done. And so he took, Joab was a, Joab is the guy who at, at the, later on in, in, in um, the history of Israel, when Ahab died, he went and uh, went to get a, uh, Jezebel, and Jezebel got all painted up. She's in an upper window, and she starts trying to work her magic on Joab. And Joab, being the man that he was, just looked up there and said, Is there any men up there? If there's a real man up there, just toss her out the window. And they just picked her up, threw her out the window. She hit splat, dead, and then he left her and let the dogs eat her. Man is, 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 is a, a, a man's man. He's a warrior. But in 1 Samuel chapter 20, this is right after Absalom's rebellion. And there was more rebellion. Where you find one rebel, you're going to find a nest of rebels normally. Very rarely do you find one person that's willing to rebel, that somebody else doesn't get infected by that spirit. And that's what 2 Samuel chapter 20 is about. It says in verse 1, there happened to be there a rebel. Um, the, 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 the King James Version says a man of Belial. If, if you, and I'm sure you being Bible scholars, you all remember this. 1 Samuel, I think it's in chapter 2, talks about Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas who were not very reputable children. Uh, it says they were men of Belial. That's what this verse says about this guy named Sheba. He's a man of Belial. Belial quite literally means rebel or worthless, but it came to be a technical name in the Old Testament, meaning a son of Satan. Because if you think about it, Satan was the first rebel. He is worthless. And he, he's constantly stirring stuff up. That's what Sheba's doing. Sheba said to himself, Absalom failed, but David's not very popular. If David was really popular, Absalom wouldn't have had a chance. So where Absalom failed, I'm coming in, and I'm going to rebel, and I'm going to take over the kingdom. It says, um, there <clears throat> and there happened to be there a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bertree, a Benjamite, 
And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse, every man to his tents, O Israel. So he's calling the, the nation of Israel, and, and Israel was separate from, even at this time, from Judah and Benjamin, although he was a Benjamite. He's calling everybody, because the, the house of Judah was pretty loyal to, to David. Rest of Israel, not so much. So Sheba is, he says, we have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. That's quite telling. You look through the biblical prophecies about the Messiah who's to come, they do identify him as the son of David, but even more so they identify him as the son of Jesse. Because Jesse was David's father. And this is a direct reference. I don't know that Sheba understood it, but this is, this is the devil inspiring Sheba to rebel against God's anointed. Um, <clears throat> if you think about it, um, well, if you go on, and I'm, we're not going to read this, we're going to jump down to verse 16. But between verse 1 and verse 16, Sheba started this revolt, people flocked to him. Problem was, once they flocked to him, they got to thinking, which people are up, you know, do sometimes they got to thinking absalom died a pretty miserable death yeah are you sure we're going to win this and the farther they went people started dropping off dropping off dropping off and finally he he's he's pretty much alone except for uh, one group of of men that are with him and they're they're committed to sheba and they went to um this city called abel and we'll see on down here in a minute that Abel was, was known, in, at least in the past, they were known to be a city. If you needed answers, go to Abel. There's a lot of wise people at Abel. Abel will give you answers. And, but they've kind of fallen on, that, that's kind of their past heritage. Their, their actions here are going to prove not so much anymore. But also in this, this verse 2 through verse 15, David arouses his troops, and he puts Joab in command. He has another guy he sends out to, um, to, to rouse an army, and the guy doesn't move very fast. And in the climate, David's not real sure, is he delaying because he's having a hard time, or is he delaying because his heart's not with me? And his delay cost him his life, because when Joab met him, Joab took a sword and thrust him through because he was late. Which ought to tell you something about punctuality. Sometimes you need to be punctual. But Joab is a commander here. Joab, quite literally, if you think about it, yo, it's, the first, it's, it's, it's part of, of Yahweh's name, Jehovah. Ab is where we get Abba. It's God is my father. Yahweh is my father. That's what his name means. So he is a representative of the king. He is, and all of this is going to relate to Mother's Day. This is a Mother's Day message, even though we're going to talk about lopping heads off. Um, which let me, just, let me just throw this out there as a, as a preface of everything. Ladies, when I'm talking about lopping the heads off the, men, the, the, the enemies, do not picture your husbands in your, in your mind. 
I don't want any kids coming home in the next few days and, and dad's head's out in the lawn because mom lopped his head off and threw it over the wall. <clears throat> no, it's talking about, this is all types and shadows. The city of Abel, which we're going to talk about, can be your life. It's a type of your life. You are a city. You rule. You are sovereign of your life. God has given you free will. You can become a Christian. You can reject God. When you become a Christian, you can serve God or you can serve yourself. You, every moment of your life is a choice, and you are sovereign, and you get to choose who am I going to serve, how am I going to serve. It also can be a, a type of your marriage. If you think about it, um, in, in the Gospels, or not in the Gospels, but in Acts chapter 1, um, when Jesus gives part of the Great Commission, he says, I want you to take this to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. He says, you start local. Start with yourself. You can only give what you got. If you don't have it, you don't have anything to give. And then you, you deal with your, your marriage. Because if you're married, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, and all these principles, I'm gonna, they're going to be related to a wise woman. But they work for anybody. And if, if you don't, when, when you get married and you have kids, guess what? At some point, the kids leave home. And at some, at some point, you're probably going to welcome the day that those kids leave home. Especially if they're still 30 years old living in your basement, you may have to go down and say, I invite you to leave home. And you may have to start souring the milk. You know? You know how you sour the milk? You say, you want to live here, you're going to pay rent. You want to live here, you're going to buy your own food. You're going to clean house. You're going to wash your own clothes. I may be your mama, I'm not your maid. Most kids, after a while, it's like, yeah, I could be on my own, do all this. That's the general idea. But when your kids live, excuse me, when your kids leave, guess what? Just you. So your marriage is a higher priority than your family. And your kids are a higher priority than your in-laws or your sisters or your brothers or your mom or your dad. The farther you get out from the two of you, the less responsibility you have. But then that also this can be a type, Abel can be a type of your church, can be a type of your nation, can be a type of the entire world. We have to exercise these principles, and I know, are you ever going to get to the point? I'm getting there. It'll take me a while, but I'm getting there. So Joab is following Sheba, and he's watching men. You know, they realize Joab and the army are coming after him. They're dropping off. They finally down to his core bunch, and they go into the city of Abel. Doesn't tell us much about the city, other than it used to be known for wisdom. Evidently, they're not real wise now because they took in Sheba and his armed men. We don't know if if maybe when you've got the whole troop of iron men, armed men coming in, the elders of the city just said, yeah, we didn't get the gate closed quick enough, and they're in, and we don't want to fight this out inside the city walls. The result was they closed the walls, they, they boarded up and locked the gates, and Joab comes, and Joab is besieging this city. And he's got a battering ram, and he's knocking down the walls, He's knocking down gates or attempting to. Took a while. You build a siege machine, got it covered so people can't shoot you with arrows. You take it up there. You got a big log on a pendulum, 
and you just start beating, and you beat the rocks down, you beat the gate down, but it takes a while to do this. So every day, the people of the city hear this constantly. Boom, boom, boom. They're knocking on the gate. They're knocking on the gate. The walls are about to fall, and they know when they come in, Joab's killing everybody. It's going to be a slaughter. This is a rebellion, and we're done. In fact, David, when he, when he commissioned Joab, he said, this will be worse than Absalom if we don't get this. So there is no mercy in anybody's eyes at this point. Which brings us to verse 16 of 2 Samuel 20. It says, Then a wise woman cried out from the city. That's the theme. This is a wise woman. She's in this city. They're beating the walls down. They're beating down the gates. And one wise woman stands up and she cries out from the city. Hear, hear. Please say to Joab, come nearby that I may speak with you. She goes straight to the head. She goes straight to the guy who says, Yahweh's my father. I got a, I got a direct line to, to God, and the king has commissioned me. This is where I'm coming. Well, we're going to deal with him. Not dealing with any underlings. I want to talk to Joab. It says, when he had come near to her, Joab, the woman said, Are you Joab? And he answered, I am. Then she said to him, Hear the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I am listening. Now, guys, let me tell you, that's a woman's perfect man right there. Over in the fellowship hall, we have a little sign over there. It says, My wife always says that I don't listen. At least I think that's what she said. Joab's the perfect man. He said, okay, you're going to talk, I'll listen. So he's, he's listening, and <clears throat> she says, speaking of the, 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 the city of Abel, so she spoke saying, they used to talk in former times. That is a horrible testimony. Well, we used to. We used to could. We used to do. We used to. Well, forget about the used to. What you doing now? She said, we used to talk in former times, saying they shall surely seek guidance at Abel, so they would end disputes. Now she's, talk, she's, she's done talking about her city, she's going to talk about herself. I am among the peaceable and faithful in Israel, who seek, you seek to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Joab answered and said, Far be it from me, far be it from me that I would swallow up or destroy. That is not so. But a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bitri by name, has raised his hand against the king. That was his crime. Now keep in mind, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. He's our king. Now, I'm loyal to my government. Policeman pulls me over. I'm all business. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Because I don't care. You can have a four-foot, 80-pound police officer. She's still got a big gun on her hip. And she ain't afraid to use it. It's not about physical size. You challenge her, you're going to have police from everywhere come out and help her. When the authorities 
pull me over any government authority. I've told the story before. My son was at, at Boys State, and um, um, Evan Bayh was the governor. And I'll just confess, I, most of you figured out my politics a long time ago, I never voted for Evan Bayh for any office. He's not my, my strand of politics. I don't particularly like his politics. But I'm here, and he's addressing all of these delegates to, the, to Boys State. And he walks in and takes the, the podium, and I stand up and start clapping for him. He's my governor. I showed him honor, not because I agree with his politics, because of the position he stands in. He's in authority over my state. And I was embarrassed that I was a, maybe one of 10 or 15 people out of a crowd of a couple of hundred that stood up, and I got some stares. I got some dirty looks. What's your problem? I didn't have a problem. You got a problem. You're not respecting authority. Well, she's respecting authority, but Sheba didn't. Sheba said, I don't care if you're king. I got my own agenda. My agenda is more important than the king's agenda, more important than the leader's agenda. When, you're, when we're talking about king, we're talking about Jesus. And you may think you got a good idea. Nothing compared to him. But a wise woman said, you're about to destroy this whole city and kill the inheritance of the Lord. <clears throat> Joab says, no, I don't want to do that. That's not my desire. I just need the rebel because he, he raised his hand against my king. Deliver him only and I will depart from the city. Now when your life, you personally, your marriage, your family, your church, when you hear, when you, you got it, the beating starting, you're just constantly being hammered, 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 one thing after another thing after another thing after another thing. And you sit back and you think, my God, when are you going to deliver me, Lord? You say, when are you going to give up Sheba? When are you going to give up Sheba? Be like the wise woman here. Identify the fact that I am a Christian. I, I am part of a marriage that's a Christian marriage. I'm part of a family that's a Christian family. Because, first of all, if one or the two of you in, in marriage or any relationship, if you're a Christian, it's a Christian family. You only need one Christian to affect the whole bunch. If there's only one Christian in an entire church, it's a Christian church. doesn't take the entire congregation. It only takes one. You can take a church just as liberal as they can be. They, they are, they are pro-everything, no, no holds barred. None. No holds barred. You want to you do it, you just go ahead. There's no such thing as sin. you got one Christian sitting in that congregation, and God will listen to that one Christian. They can fight for their church. That God, I tell you, there are a lot of churches out there, if it wasn't for the one, Ichabod would be written on their door. But if God's got one, there's still hope. That's why, and, and, and this is off topic, but this is why when, when, when you look at the rapture, we have to be pulled out of the earth as, as the church. The rapture has to happen because if there's only one Christian, one in the entire planet, you have enough authority that the Antichrist and the devil cannot manifest himself. He cannot because you stand in authority over the entire earth. 
That's why God has to say, I'm bringing my bride home because I need him to manifest himself so I can do what I need to do to wrap this thing up. Now, people will get born again during the tribulation. They won't be part of the church. They will have authority, but he has to get us out of here first. That way the devil can manifest himself. The Antichrist can come forth. Then God can start dealing with them. Amen? We are the same way. This wise woman, he says, if you will just deliver him, Sheba, I will depart from the city. So the woman said to Joab, watch, his head will be thrown over the wall to you. She said, you want him? Well, I can't get him all for you, but I can get his head. Now notice this. She didn't just go chop his head off. Now there, there are some women in the Bible in, in um, um, Judges chapter 4, it talks about Jael. And you probably know the story. Jael was, uh, actually, she wasn't even a member of Israel. She was uh, the, the Kenites. But Israel was, was at war with a, a, a different group of people. And the commander of these people that was attacking Israel, his name was Sisera. And he lost the battle, and, but the leader's running. And he comes to Jael, who is a wife of this Kenite, and he comes to their camp and comes to her tent and says, I need some help. I'm tired. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. And she said, well, come on in. Here's my tent. Here's a big jug of warm milk. Drink you some milk. Get refreshed. Go lay down. Take a nap. And then you can flee from Israel. Well, if you've ever you know, pre-sleeping pills, pre-any kind of drugs for sleeping. Glass of warm milk, there's chemicals in it, will help you go to sleep. He was already tired. He's been fleeing from Israel. He drinks, drinks a jug of warm milk. He's out. He's gone. And what's J.L. do? She goes and grabs a spare tent peg and a hammer, and she goes over and lays that hammer on his head and drives that tent peg straight through his head and pins him to the floor. And when Israel, the armies of Israel, show up, they said, where is Sisera? And she said, he's right there in my tent. I got him all ready for you. And they walk in, this man dead with a tent peg in his head. She is celebrated in Israel to this day. The, the, the prophetess uh, Deborah, in the song of Deborah, Deborah celebrates her. She wasn't even an Israeli. Why? Because she knew who God's people were. She knew who the enemy was, and she took care of God's enemy. That's what a wise woman does. That's what a wise person does. We have this same thing. This woman, she showed wisdom. Now, I'll give you an, another example, and then we'll go on and talk about, about this lady in, in, again. But you look at Sarah, the, the wife of, of Abraham. Abraham was, is the patriarch. You read in Romans chapter 4, it was... Abraham's faith that we identify with. But Abraham, Sarah was right there with Abraham. There were more than one occasion. In fact, there's two listed in the Bible where Abraham went to a, a foreign land and he, in, in Abraham's mind, he's saying, I got a beautiful wife. If the king looks at my wife, he's going to kill me to get to my wife. 
So, Sarah, we're just going to say that you're my sister. And in one case, the king put Sarah in his harem and started preparing her. Because you didn't just put somebody in your harem. You got you to put them on a diet. You got to get them cleaned up, do all the treatments. And the king goes to sleep. And God comes to him in a dream. And he said, uh, you got my daughter in your harem. And if you sleep with her, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and he goes to Abraham and says, what are you doing? You trying to get me killed? And he's, he's angry about it. I don't blame him. And Sarah's watching Abraham do this. And then later on, twice he did this, then later on, uh, Lot, when, when things got a little testy between Lot's shepherds and Abraham's shepherds, Lot, or Abraham goes to, to Lot and he says, look, we're going to divide the land. Here's the hill country, here's the plains. You pick. And Lot says, I'll take the plains. Plenty of fertile ground, lots of water. You go to the hills, do the hard stuff. Sarah's sitting there watching him. Abraham goes to the hill country, prospers, but Lot's down here. While Lot's down here, some king comes in, and he conquers that city, and he takes Lot and his servants and all the city off into captivity. And what does the coward Abraham do? He rouses several hundred of his servants. They grab their swords, and they go deliver Lot. And Sarah's, I know she's got to be looking at him thinking, what? I am your wife. You didn't lift a butter knife to save me from the king. And yet Lot, who took advantage of you, you're going to take your entire army and go deliver him? What's up with this? And yet, in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says that Sarah called Abraham Lord. She showed him respect even when he did not deserve it. Why? Because you show respect for the position, not the person. I'm telling you, in this day and age, that's a rule we all need to learn to live by. Because the whole spirit of this age is divide up into camps, and once you're into camps, that other side's evil. Why? Because they represent evil. Really? Maybe we just need to honor those to whom honor is due. And the honor is due for the position, not because of even Jesus. When they were, they were, were or not Jesus, Paul, um, he, started, he rebuked a man. And then he found out that that man that he rebuked was the high priest. He deserved to be rebuked. And Paul backed up and immediately apologized abjectly. I'm sorry. I did not know I was talking to the high priest. I would have never said what I said I'd have known of your position. And Paul was in the right. We need to, to learn. This woman, she's already told Joab, just hang on, I'll bring you his head. What she do then? Verse 22, Then the woman in her wisdom went to all the people. She went to the people. She persuaded the people. That had to include the elders, a lot of other women, but she went and made her case and persuaded the city, we need to send this man's head over the wall or we're all going to die. And suddenly, everybody in the city 
thought better for Sheba to die than all of us. She was persuasive. What happened? They cut his head off. She grabbed him by the hair's head, threw his head over the wall. Joab blew a trumpet, and they went home, and the city was saved. That's exactly what we are called to do in our own lives, in our own family, in our own church, in our own nation. The, the, one of my favorite movies, and I know I'll, I'll, some of you are going to think, wow, Godfather. I mean, it's just one of the greatest movies ever made. I love it. But at the end, if you've ever watched the, the, the Godfather, the first one, at the end, the Godfather's trying to, to tell Michael how he's going to have to take over the family. But he makes this statement about his own life. He said, I refuse to be a fool dancing on a string held by all those big shots. I refuse to be a fool dancing on the strings. I wasn't going to be another man's puppet. I'm not letting the man control me. And he really thought, because he became powerful, that he wasn't dancing on a string. You read Romans chapter 6, verse um, 7. He who has died has been freed from sin. If you haven't died, you're still a slave to sin. You may think you're in charge. There is no in charge. You're either a slave to righteousness or you're a slave to sin. There's no in between. This wise woman in Abel realized, I'm about to die. My family's about to die. My city's about to die unless we deal with this one man. In our lives, we have issues. And we have to confront those issues. We all have issues. I don't care. I know I, I've, I joked with, I've joked with students for years. I've joked with my wife, although I don't anymore because she doesn't think it's funny anymore. Um, my middle initial is P. I used to be, a, you know, because I'm, I'm one of those guys, my mother just wanted to make my life hard. So she named me John with no H and Patrick with no K. It was an interesting first few weeks in, in first grade. When my teacher said, no, honey, that's not how you spell your name. And I said, no, ma'am, I don't have an H in my, my John. Yes, you do. And I went home crying, and my mama came and explained to her, I don't have an H. And the next week, we went to Patrick. And she said, honey, you forgot the K. And I said, I don't have a K on my name. And she said, honey, you spell your name any way you want to. Just don't have your mama come visit me again. Well, the, I used to hold contests with the kids. What do you think my real name is? Because I was strict. My name is Mr. Roberts, period. And don't you ever make the mistake of calling me by my first name. You are a child, and I am a teacher, and you're going to respect my position if you don't respect me. And I got, I got downright testy about it because they need to learn respect. I wasn't just doing it because I'm something. Like, no, I'm not your friend. I'll be friendly, but I'm not your friend. I am in place of your parents, and my kids don't call me John. They call me Dad. Even to this day, my grandkids have figured out, do you really want to get under Gimpaw's skin? Call him John. They know my name. They'll do it, man. They get the look. Like, yeah, don't, don't push Gimpaw too far. I, I still know how to paddle. <coughs> we have to learn that our issues, 
I used to, this is how I got started on that. My middle initial being P, I always joked. My middle initial's P, it's because it stands for perfect. Everybody always laughs. I never quite understood that. No, I'm not perfect. Far from it. You, and the proof is, talk to my wife, talk to my kids. They will let you know I'm far from perfect. But I, am, I have a choice. I have to be like the wise woman. When I look at my issues, every issue I have, and I've got them just like you do. Pastor Bob was my pastor, and, and when we lived in Tulsa, he used to say, I have a special anointing to teach the Word from this pulpit. But I have no anointing at all to live it other than just the ordinary Christian's anointing. So don't judge me when you see me driving on the freeway. Don't judge me if you see my family out eating and we forget to pray. I'm just an ordinary man. And there's nothing special about me. But when I deal with my issues, I have choices. Is this a rebel in my life? Or am I justified? Why, it's just my personality. May be your personality. That doesn't make it right. When my personality starts causing harm to my life or harm to those I love, I need to go cut its head off. I need to say, you're going to straighten up, John Roberts. Quit doing that. Well, you know, people, you just need to be honest with people. I mean, I just need to give them a piece of my mind. Be careful giving people a piece of your mind. You may run out. Verse 11 and 12, Romans 6. Likewise, you also reckon. That word reckon is, is the Greek word logizomai, where we get logic. The actual root of that is, is uh, the word logos, where, where it means word. It's, the logos is the word used in John chapter 1, where it says, In the beginning was the word, and word was with God, and the word was God, and Jesus was the word. Jesus was the logos. Well, he says, you reckon, you use your mind. And this is in the present imperative. It's a command. It's not a request. He says, you reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. You need to mentally say, that issue is sin. I'm not justified. I don't care what they did to me. I'm not justified. I have to do it God's way, and I ha it starts in my brain. But I'm, what am I going to reckon myself? I'm dead to sin, but alive to God. Then he puts in verse 12, Therefore, because you've reckoned this, because you've made this just simple decision, because you did that, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Do not. If there's a do not, there's also a do could. I know that's not proper English, but you get the point. If I have the choice, to, and he commands me, do not do this, there is also the option for me to do that. It's my choice. I have to be like the wise woman and say, mm -mm, that sin, I'm cutting its head off and I'm throwing it over the wall. Now the problem is, she had it easy. She just had to convince a city. And with Joab and the army on beating the walls down, that probably didn't take a lot of convincing. And so they all decided, we're cutting his head off. She got credit for it, but everybody was part of it. My problem is, when I've got an issue, and I judge it sin, and I cut its head off, next morning, it's resurrected. I can't cut issues off, and they're, all, they're forever gone. 
I used the example again a minute ago. Well, that's just my personality. It may be a personality trait. Remember, God gave you your personality, but the devil will drive your personality to extremes. He'll take it out where it becomes sin. It is you. I'm, I'm just, I'm a frank person. Well, being frank and being truthful doesn't mean you can't be tactful at the same time. You know, I've, I've used the, the, the analogy. God wants to clean you up, but he doesn't use Brillo pads. I can, you know, I've had times when, when you know, there were, you just have to wash, you have to take a shower, let everything drain, and then take another shower, because one's not enough. When you work and you get a lot of stuff on you, you start washing the grease off before you ever get the shower. It may take multiple ones. There are times when, you know, what was it, lava? We used to have that. They had liquid lava. It's got pumice in it. When you work with a lot of grease, you're working on engines and stuff, and you get lava works real well. I've never tried to wash my face with lava. Because, man, you know, I, when, when Gina and I got married, my sister-in-law thought it would be really funny. She took liquid, black liquid shoe polish, and I had a, a Toyota Supra, cream-colored, had a permanent, very expensive, permanent wax job on it. And she painted all over our car with that liquid shoe polish. And there was only one way I could get it off, and that was to take soft scrub, if you remember that product. And I had to scrub my entire car with soft scrub. And when I got done, it didn't bead water anymore. Now, she didn't mean to do that, but I ruined the finish on my car because somebody thought this would be funny god wants us to clean up but i don't need you to clean me up i'm the only one that can clean me up and i do it by deciding that she i've got a sheba in my life and i'm gonna be like the wise woman and lop its head off and in the morning if it's back cutting its head off today too and i do it over and over and over and occasionally sheba may rear his head and i may go with him when I come to myself, I'm going to be like the prodigal son and say, nope, off with your head. And when you do that enough, at some point they'll quit, they will quit dominating you. Romans 6.14, the very first part, for sin shall not have dominion over you. I've described it before. I can be out in the vilest sin. Anytime as a Christian I decide I've had enough. I've come to myself. I can walk away and the devil cannot hold me. He has no... You realize that when, when Jesus went to the cross, it says he became sin. The devil had a hold on him. He held him. He had the right to hold him because Jesus became sin. But the moment your sin was paid for, because it wasn't his, it was our sins that he became. And the moment the price was paid for those, it was like he was jello. The devil couldn't hold him anymore, and he was gone. And when, he, when the devil couldn't hold him anymore because our sins were paid for, then Jesus just ripped hell apart, put the devil in chains, and he's been there since then. He cannot hold on to me. When I come to my senses and I say, this is sin, I'm cutting its head off, I know it infuriates him. I have invested years getting you here and in 30 seconds you just undid it all it's all it takes a decision i have to reckon that i'm dead to this sin when i do now the 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 hard part is verse 16 
Do you not know that whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? The voices you listen to, you've become their slave. Hopefully, and the, the, here's the choice again, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Every moment, every day, it's a choice. Am I going to listen to my nature of sin, which is in my mortal body? Or am I going to listen to the voice of God, which is welling up? I said this at the beginning. That well of water, that's Jesus speaking to me, bubbling up. The Word, the written Word, when I plant it in my, my heart, I plant it in my mind, that rules me. When I, when I allow that to rule me and I obey it, then I am... I am obedient and it leads to righteousness if i listen to my flesh it will result in death to the point and i'll finish with this wonderful illustration we watched you, you've read about ananias and sapphira and i've had people ask me well, do you think ananias and sapphira went to heaven if they were christians yes well did they get sick no they didn't have time to get sick God looked at them and said, you are sinning, and this sin is so wrong. You're lying about what you did, and the church is in such a delicate state that this can really wreck the church, and I can't have it wrecked. This is the beginning, so I'm pulling you out of your body. He reached right down there to Ananias. He said, come on home. Grabbed him by the head, pulled his spirit out of his body, and his body dropped dead. And then when Sapphira came in, she said, yeah, that's exactly what we did. He grabbed her and said, you come on home too. And they missed out on a life of serving God. I, I'm, I'm convinced, you don't have to believe it, I'm convinced they're in heaven. But they got there way early because they didn't judge their sin. And God had, Paul in Corinthians says, there are many of you that are sick, there are some of you who are even dead because you did not discern the Lord's body. That's not only communion, that's talking about discerning the church. Well, that church, they're just messed up. Name me a church that's not messed up. I've said it before. If you're looking for the perfect church, when you find it, stay away. Because it won't be perfect when you show up. And it wouldn't be perfect if I showed up. There's no such thing because churches are filled with imperfect people. That's why people say, why is there war? Because we have war in our hearts. I mean, the, the, the person I have committed to spend the rest of my life with, I love her more than anyone, is sometimes the hardest person I have to get along with. Why? Because she's not perfect and neither am I. And sometimes she doesn't meet my needs and it irritates me. And sometimes it irritates me enough that I let her know. And sometimes I don't meet her needs and it irritates her enough she lets me know. And when we both hit that at the same time, guess what? Fourth of July. Not just our anniversary, there's fireworks. Every relationship you have is going to be that way. It's part of life. Until we lose this mortal flesh with the nature of sin, everything, everything is going to be difficult because we've got sin and we don't know, we just can't do anything perfectly. But thank God when you don't, you got 1 John 1, 9. Run over there and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm, forgive me, cleanse me, empower me, because i got to go cut Sheba's head off. 
and cut his head off, grab him by the hair, throw his head over the wall, and get back to work. Well, that's just cheap grace. No, grace is never cheap. But remember, if you go to 1 John 1, 9, first requirement is you have to acknowledge that was sin. Nobody runs the 1 John 1, 9 until they acknowledge that was sin. If I'm justified, I don't need forgiveness. Because it's not sin. But if I recognize it as sin, then hmm, it's not her. She's not the problem. And I don't like that. You're not my problem. And I don't like that. Because it all comes back to me. And it really does end up, it is all about me. It's me being a screwed up sinner and messed up and doing things wrong. When I find problems, guess what? It's me. Not you. And you may have problems. Well, not may. You do have problems. We all do. So let's just walk in love. Walk in forgiveness. That's all it takes. Be a wise woman. And mothers, we prayed this morning before we started, praise and worship team. Your mom has a great influence on you. And if she was a praying mom, even more. But I'm telling you, I would have never made it to my 20s had it not been for my mom's prayer. And I sure wouldn't have made it to my 30s if it hadn't been for my mom's prayers. I, 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 I walked in the safety of her prayers for years after she was dead and gone and in heaven. Thank God she prayed for me. Now the difference is, it's my mantle. She's in heaven. It's my time to pray. And it's not, guys, let me just put this, and I know I've had nine closings already, but I'm like a... I'm like a real estate guy. I just, you know, I get paid every time I close, so I'm having a lot of them. <laughs> this is Mother's Day, and I'm trying to honor mothers and challenging all of us to be that wise woman that cut off Sheba's head. But it's, it's time we quit putting the burden of prayer on our wives and our moms. The Bible's very clear. The lines of her authority are husband and then to the wife. What's that mean? That means the responsibility of my family rests on my shoulders. I better be the one. I, if, if I'm not out praying my wife, that's a problem. Just put it. You want to know where the problems of your family are? They lie right at my feet. If I'm not meeting my responsibilities, my family's going to have a hard time. I, we're called to pray. We're called to stand. That authority doesn't mean I boss everybody around. That authority means I stand against the devil. Because ultimately, when you look at that city of Abel, Sheba was a manifestation, but the problem, the enemy wasn't Sheba. The enemy was the devil inspiring Sheba. David wasn't the king that was needing to be exalted. It was Jesus who put David in that position. It's the reason I honored Evan Bayh, even though I didn't particularly like him or his politics, because God put him in that position. And if I fight against him, guess what? I'm fighting against God. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has blessed you, we invite you to visit us in person at the corner of Highway 31 South and Southport Road, Indianapolis, Indiana, or visit us online at FCCIndianapolis.com.